Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to issue a trigger warning. This podcast contains discussions about sensitive topics that may be distressing to some listeners. These topics include but are not limited to family violence and abuse in their various forms. We understand and respect that this subject may be difficult for some individuals and bring up all sorts of feelings, so please prioritize your well-being and feel free to pause or skip this episode if you believe it may affect you negatively. If you or someone you know needs support or resources for any of the discussed topics, please reach out to local support services or crisis helplines. Remember, you are not alone, and it's always okay to ask for help. Now, let's begin the episode. Listener discretion is advised. Igniting original concepts. You felt like you were really making a difference. Today. Why wouldn't you do that? On over control. The biggest challenge that you have is not to. You're going to have disruptions all the time. If you want something different, you have to be willing to do something different. You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Galil Springer. For your industry, by your industry. Family violence is a complex social issue that requires coordinated efforts across the community to address. Today, we'll be looking at what that looks like in Australia specifically. So here are some stats to set the context. In Australia, one woman is killed every nine days due to family violence. One in three women has experienced physical and or sexual abuse perpetrated by a man they know. More than half of the women who experience violence are caring for children at the time and a woman is killed by her intimate partner on average every week. Seeking help for domestic and family violence is difficult. Very few people experiencing family violence tell the police or a specialist service first. Instead, folks experiencing family violence are more likely to talk to someone they trust or have a close bond with. For many, this is a salon professional, such as a hairdresser or a beauty therapist. Salon professionals, by the nature of their work and the relationships they develop with clients, with the right training and development of skills, can become champions of change and help clients experiencing family violence. This can be life-saving. So where do we go from here? This week's episode will have you travel to Australia for an insider look at Hair3Rs' important work. Hair3Rs is a project of the education and training team at Free, a family violence service in Melbourne. Their team are qualified educators with backgrounds in family violence support, primary prevention, sexuality education, respectful relationships, and inclusive practice. They're passionate about changing the way society views family violence and believe that with proper training, everyone can play a role in preventing violence. The development of Hair3Rs began in 2016 with the help of overseas programs Cut It Out Canada and Family Violence It's Not Okay. The pilot program launched in Melbourne salons in 2018 with 309 salon professionals trained during the six-month period. When government funding ceased, they continued training and are currently the only ongoing national family violence training program for the Australian hair, beauty and barbering industry with more than a thousand trained salon professionals and counting. Hair3Rs' training has the support of key peak bodies including the Australian Hairdressing Council, ARA Hair and Beauty, Professional Beauty Association and L'Oreal Australia. They are championed by specially chosen ambassadors who have completed Hair3Rs' training and are dedicated to ending violence against women and children in Australia. When we hear things like, well, it's none of my business, our response is, 
no, family violence is everyone's business. We all have a role to play to prevent and to respond to family violence. When we hear things like, I don't know what to say, or I'm scared that I'm going to make them angry, I'm scared that I'm going to lose that client's business, it's actually about letting the client know that you care, that their well-being is important, similar to the work of suicide as well, right? You know, it's about opening those uh, conversations and simply saying, I care and I might not have all of the answers, but I know that there are services out there that can help you. And hey, here's a number of one if you're interested. There are no justifications for abusing, controlling or using violence against another person. Perpetrators are the only ones accountable for using family violence. Wanting to play a part in preventing violence against women and children in Australia, Brianna Myers joined the prevention and education team at Free in 2017. As program manager, she develops and leads programs designed to raise community understanding and awareness of family violence. One of her projects is Hair3Rs, a family violence training program giving salon professionals the skills to help clients experiencing abuse. Originally only open to Melbourne salons, Hair3Rs has grown into a national program, and this despite receiving any ongoing or government funding. Brianna believes everyone has a role to play in ending family violence and that training programs such as Hair3Rs can be life-saving for many people. In 2021 and 2022 alone, Hair3Rs' training and key messages already spread deeply in the community with more than 1,000 salon professionals trained, 17.6 thousand views on the You Should Leave Instagram Reel, and 29.9 thousand views on the Stop Killing Women Instagram Reel. Today, Brianna joins me on Forest FM to expand Hair3Rs' reach when it comes to community understanding and awareness of family violence. We'll be talking about the drivers of family violence, discussing some of the signs that you can spot, major barriers to disclosures, and of course, we'll be diving into what exactly Hair3Rs' program entails. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining me on Forest FM, Brianna. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I was actually so happy when Kimberly pitched the idea to me a few months ago because I've been wanting to talk about this on the podcast for years now, and uh, a few of my colleagues will uh, can back me up on this. Um, but yeah, I was like, without hesitation, let's do it. And I just really appreciate the time and how kindly you decided to help us out to be able to talk about this. So how are you doing today? Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I uh, always am so excited about these type of opportunities to engage uh, more community members in, in understanding the work that we do and the role that we can be playing in community uh, around preventing family violence. So thank you so much to Zoe for you know providing this opportunity and, and to Kimberly as well. It was great that we actually met at Hair Festival last year mm-hmm. and um, from them, you know, looking at opportunities that we can uh, work together. And it's just really exciting times for us. Yeah. And I mean, the community response in Australia seems to be really positive from what I've, I've been reading and understanding anyways. Um, and, and considering how addressing family violence is such a complex thing that requires coordinated efforts across the community, like I was saying in the intro, um, that's exactly where you want to be. You want to have that positive community response. So before we get too far into the conversation, I would love to hear um, your take on these two things. So how would you define Hair3Rs as mission? And then also, I would love for us to take a second to get on the same page about the definition of the term family violence. Often we'll be 
hearing domestic violence. Um, and so I, I would love to understand the nuances and the reasoning behind uh, using the term family violence over domestic violence. Yeah, absolutely. So it's crazy to think that that's where it all started in 2018. And through that pilot, we trained, you know, 30 salon professionals. And from then, we've now managed to train another thousand, which is, you know, incredible considering, as you've you've pointed out, that we don't have continuous or ongoing funding. So for us, our mission, and it feels like a big one, but we want to train all uh, salon professionals across Australia in our hair three hours training because we truly believe that this training is life-saving and we see this as important as, you know, CPR training or first aid training because family violence is is a widespread issue, not only in Australia, across the world. Um, and, you know, it's it needs a community response um, to be able to to be able to deal with the increased uh, rates of family violence that we're seeing within our community. So for us, part of our work is around educating community about what family violence is. And you might have heard words like domestic violence or domestic abuse or intimate partner violence. Um, But for us in Australia or in Victoria in particular, we utilise the term family violence. And it's because it's more broad and more inclusive and it's recognising Um, that violence is more than just between intimate partner relationships. It can happen between parents. It can happen between siblings, carers. And um, for, for us, you know, we talk about how it's important for people to really understand that and to understand what the difference is between, say, everyday conflict or conflict within relationships to then what is family violence. And family violence is what we call Uh, uh, abuse of power and control. So it's when someone chooses to use violence to create fear um, for someone's safety and their well-being. And often when we're talking about family violence, it's not just a one-off incident. It happens in an ongoing way and it can happen over days, months, years, a lifetime. Um, So for us, it's really about being clear uh, around that it's about people fearing for their safety and for their well-being um, and it's when a person chooses to use violence to create that fear. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify, when we're talking about violence here, we're talking about both physical and emotional violence, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's another big part of the work that we do too because there was actually some recent um, studies that came out in the Australian context which has shown that we've actually seen improvements where people are starting to understand that violence is more than just physical but still it's very common that a lot of people just see it as physical and it's so much more than that. It's emotional, it's social, it's spiritual, it's um, violence um, can take form around people utilizing pets and other animals as a way to um, perpetrate power and control over another person. It's sexual, reproductive. I mean, the list goes on and on. So it's really important about people understanding that and understanding that, um, you know, violence is a crime. um, And especially within Victoria, there's been a lot of work that's taken place um, to really build people's understanding about what role they can play to, to create this change. 
And so more specifically, like when we talk about hair three R's, what are the main goals when it comes to working with hairdressers or industry professionals, right? Like what are the the specific learning objectives? What would you expect people to know or like have in terms of an understanding when they, I guess, complete or graduate your program, your training? Yeah, great question. So I think it's important to probably take that that step back and and to give a bit of a rationale as to why we're doing this work with salon professionals. And really it's because we recognize that victim survivors, so when we're talking about victim survivors, these are people who have experienced violence. Yeah. They're more likely to tell someone that they trust and someone that they know before accessing a service like ours as a specialist family violence service or police. Um, And we know that uh, with our salon professionals, we build really strong connections and relationships with them. Um, It's quite an intimate experience when going to get your hair done or when you're going to even be getting a massage or whatever it may be. Um, So we we feel like we're in almost a, a vulnerable space where we can open up and talk about what's going on. And one of the incredible things about salon professionals is that they are fantastic listeners. So they create this space where you feel heard and um, and valued um, and we almost instantly let our guard down yeah. and, and feel like it's a moment where we can talk about, well, what's happening in our lives. So for our training in particular, we are very clear about that we're, this is not about training salon professionals to become counsellors because that is not safe. It's not the role that they're meant to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's counsellors out there and specialist family violence people like myself that are able to play that particular role. So in the terms of what the training is, it's really about building salon professionals' understanding of what family violence is, what it looks like within a salon, and also how to appropriately respond if they are concerned that there is a client who may be experiencing family violence and then to know where to refer them to. So it's what we call our three R's framework, the recognize, respond and refer. Um, And we take the time to unpack each of those topics and we do it in a way that it's engaging, it's interactive And it's an opportunity for salon professionals at times to get to know others in the industry and to share similar experiences um, and to encourage them to be like, hey, you have this really incredible role that you could be playing in community, um, but know that you're not alone in that space. And there's organizations that are out there to help you to be able to do this work. Yeah. So essentially they kind of become, uh, I guess, like the frontline or like emergency response Kind of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's what we would call sort of that initial response, right? So right. it's, you know, being able to initially take that disclosure and then to to know where to go with that. So, you know, we talk about how it's actually not helpful to get a victim survivor to tell their entire story about what that experience has been. Um, rather, we talk about ways to be able to engage in safe conversations about that, mm. um, to know how to appropriately respond and then to just talk about the, the, the services that are uh, available to them. So, you know, part of the training is about encouraging the salon professionals at the end of the session to, yes, know the statewide services and to know of the services um, uh, 
that are local to their area. So getting them to call up, phone up their local family violence service and say, hey, what is it that you do and what is it that you offer? Because many selling professionals come into our our service and didn't even realize that there's services like ours out there. Yeah. Before we, we talk more about how salon professionals can help clients in their chairs, um, you know, with that initial response. I want to talk about the fact that, you know, Hair3Rs exists under the parent organization Free, uh, which supports victim survivors and works on breaking the cycle of family violence. Um, now, like you mentioned, you know, earlier, family violence can target folks of any gender and age, but I, I'd love to focus this question on violence against women specifically, because that is something that, you know, we're seeing a lot of. Um, and I, I would love to hear you on, you know, what does it mean to prevent violence against women and what does that look like in practice in like everyone's day-to-day actions? Yeah, absolutely. So unfortunately, still to this day, we see gender inequality existing in our society. And there's been extensive amount of research that has taken place to really understand why we see such high rates of family violence and why do we see women experiencing it far greater than men. Um, And we also see high Mm -hmm. rates of gender diverse people experiencing violence too. And I think that's really important to note as well, because again, that's another topic that's not often spoken about. But if we're really looking here at women, so gender inequality being the unequal access to resources, opportunities, um, and, uh, and, and recognising that still in society, we see women's voices considered um, less than than our men mm-hmm. um, and recognising that if that continues to be our narrative within Australia or, or around the world, we're going to continue to see women experiencing those high rates of violence. So there's um, a particular framework that we use at Free um, and part of my role at Free is actually also working in prevention and and education and in various community projects and one of those being HAIR. Um, And the framework that we use is called Change the Story, which is a national framework by um, Our Watch, who's the peak body for the prevention of violence against women. And that framework outlines four gender drivers of violence against women and essential actions that we can be taking as prevention practitioners or professionals and community members to actually build a community response to preventing violence against women and to breaking that cycle of violence. So those gender drivers are the condoning of violence against women. So still recognising in society we create victim blaming when people share their experiences of violence. You know, how often do we still hear, oh, she must have done something to provoke him Um, or it must have been something that she was wearing. Um, We also see uh, men's control and limits to women's decision-making and power and, um, you know, a great uh, example of that, although we're seeing improvements, is looking at, um, you know, positions of power, whether it's on in corporate um, businesses or on boards, but also within our parliament as well. Um, again, another driver is really recognising the the gendered stereotypes that exist in our society and how we're too often boxing men and women and gender diverse people in being particular ways and particular expectations. And mm-hmm. often we um, encourage and support men to be strong, to be um, 
leaders, to be the breadwinners, um, to be the heroes uh, and women to be seen less than and weak and needing to be saved. I mean, how many, st- you know, storybooks are out there with yeah. that narrative? And we're doing it's far too many. <laughs> far too many, far too many. Um, and then that last gender driver is really around that peer, male peer relationship where we see, um, you know, uh, men... Um, uh, em- emphasizing sort of aggression and dominance yeah. um, and creating these masculine environments that unfortunately do not create healthy, safe um, and welcoming environments for the general um, population. So um, they're the all of our work that we do at Free aligns to those gender drivers. Mm-hmm. But I guess your question on what that looks like at a day-to-day sort of action for us as an organisation. So for our direct service workers, for example, so yes, they're not necessarily working at that prevention. They're having people that are coming in who are victim survivors. But, you know, the way that they work with victim survivors around creating empowering environments so that they can make informed decisions about how and the support that they're needing is incredibly powerful because often when we have victim survivors accessing our service, their power has been taken from them for a very long time because that's what we know is violence and abuse of power and control. So creating environments where where women are able to make decisions that is going to best suit them and their needs and obviously doing that in a way that is supporting them in navigating what their needs are is really what that direct service line is doing. So that real individual response. Right. At a community level, um, so what my team predominantly does is, you know, going out to community, talking about what family violence is, talking about the role that people can be playing to prevent it, talking about how we need to be considering the storybooks that we're reading to our children. And I'm not saying we have to get rid of the fairy tales. I do love fairy tales myself, but it doesn't have to be the only story that our children listen to. So, you know, talking about simple things about, you know, okay, you're reading a book and it's the the girl that's being saved yet again. But hey, like, do you think she always needs to be saved? Or hey, let's consider changing maybe the pronouns in the book. So it's a different, a different um, experience, yeah. right? And, you know, it's beneficial if we start in those early years because we're going to see greater change and that's what a lot of our work is on because when you find out that someone's pregnant like what's the first question people ask oh do you know what you're having yeah and it's ridiculous because we're already putting on assumptions to how that child is going to look feel the activities that they're going to like and these rigid ideas and stereotypes don't create safe, supportive and um, respectful environments later on in life if we continued this narrative that girls are a certain way and boys are a certain way because, again, it's 2023. Let's, let's you know, really talk about <laughs> how we want society to, to be reflective of our diverse community in which we're engaging with. Um, and then, and I feel like I could talk about that for ages. Um, and I could talk about it as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, like a, that's a whole nother yeah. podcast that we could be doing. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then at a, at a system level for us, you know, it's us working with, say, organisations like Forest or corporate organisations or peak agencies about 
how they can be creating environments that empower, support and are equitable for women. And it's about looking at practices, whether it's workplace practices around parental leave, if it's around flexible working arrangements or job share arrangements, access to leave if people are experiencing Mm -hmm. violence. So seeing changes in policies, in practice, um, you know, to really actually, I guess, support that grade of work at an individual level, at a community level, and then at that system level. Well, speaking of support, Hair3Rs was founded in 2018. And then, of course, two years later, the entire world goes into lockdown. And now we know that during COVID lockdowns, uh, family violence numbers increased. And I would love to hear you on the sorts of impact that that has had on your work at Hair3Rs, on the community response, on the work that Free had been doing at the time. Did you see an increase, a substantial increase in people reaching out for help? And did the pandemic affect the way that you could offer services um, to victims and survivors? Absolutely. Yeah. COVID was a challenging time for for everyone, but in particular for victim survivors of violence. So, you know, we can't sit here and say that we actually saw an increase in our referrals because we didn't, but that's really recognising it's it was tricky and challenging to be able to access a service like ours. So we had to get quite creative on ways that we could inform people to understand about services and how that they could reach out to us. So for example, in Victoria, we were in lockdown for, I don't know how many days I've almost blanked it out now, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but we have to have really strong communication out there about, yes, you cannot leave your homes, but you can leave if you're in a violent situation and services like ours are still open and accessible. Um, But, you know, recognising that people making phone calls or wanting to reach out or follow us, um, you know, make contact with us online was challenging because they were in the environment at their home with the perpetrator 24-7. So we saw that we saw more um, phone calls where people were in shopping centres or in essential services, whether it's GPs or whatever it may have been at the time, Um, you know, utilising moments like that to make contact with us for support. But what we did see an increase in is the severity of violence that was taking place. So the risks were far greater, um, the incidents were far greater, the police response um, were seeing more high-risk cases as well. Um, So they were more complex. So trying to create safety plans is a, is a, um, a task that we do at free every day, but trying to create safety plans when it's around safety in a home living with the perpetrator during a pandemic, you know, it, it, we had to be quite creative and quite innovative in how we manage that. Um, but what we, on the flip side to that, is actually what we saw in the education and training space is we saw an increase in organisations, in salon professionals, in community reaching out to us saying, we know family violence is increasing. I'm concerned about a colleague. I'm concerned about a client. I'm concerned about a family member. Mm. What do I do? So we saw people reaching out to us, um, wanting to participate in our hair three hours and our other training programs that we deliver so that they felt like yeah. they could be able to provide a safe and supportive response 
or to even just be able to ask that question to see if that person is actually experiencing violence and then know what to do with that information and to inform them of the services available to that person in their local area. Right. And so based on those calls that were coming in with like people, you know, I'm concerned, I need like, what do I say? What do I do? Like, what is, I guess, the the one thing or, the you know, is there something that stood out to be the, the most misunderstood thing about family violence to you? I think... The misunderstanding of family violence to me, the biggest thing that we have always seen is about the cause. So people always will say to us, even when we go into our training sessions, we do this activity where we um, say, you know, what do you think is the greatest risk factor of experiencing family violence? And we have a whole list there and alcohol and drugs, mental health issues, gender is one of them, Um, you know, religion, blah, blah, blah. And everyone always goes all of the above. And we're like, no, actually, gender is the biggest risk factor of experiencing violence. And we unpack that. And then we unpack why alcohol and other drugs and mental health or being a um, victim of family violence as a child is not actually causing or is the driver of what of family violence. Because we go back to that first statement is that violence is always a choice. And there's people in society who um, participate in alcohol and other drugs, but they're not necessarily violent. There's people who have experienced and grown up in childhood homes experiencing violence regularly, but they've made a choice to not continue that cycle of violence in the romantic or in the relationships that they have as an adult. So I think that's probably one of the biggest misunderstandings Um, and people would maybe make you know, would call up and say, I'm worried, you know, there's financial stress or there's, um, you know, mental health concerns. And these these things can exacerbate violence. It can make violence worse. Um, it can maybe put things at higher risk for people. But again, it's not yeah. that underlying driver of why we see violence against women um, at higher rates than we do any other gender. Right. And so I guess, you know, when, when Hair 3Rs was created, like why specifically the salon industry? Like what is it about that industry aside from the close bond? But, you know, there's other industries where you'll create co- close bonds with, with clients as well, right? So like what is the industry's best kept superpower that made you feel like, okay, we need to train every salon professional in Australia upon this, like this is our calling. It has to happen and that's going to have a massive impact. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like this is almost another podcast in itself too, but (laughs) I think, you know, trying to, um, I guess the main reason here is recognizing that one of the biggest superpowers of salon professionals is their listening skills. They create such safe environments um, to be able to create in a space where where women or clients in general feel like that they have the ability to utilize the time that they're sitting in the chair um, to be able to inform them about what's happening in their lives. So I definitely think it's their listening skills, but mm. also um, you know that talk and touch nature. It's not that many other professions where you have that intimate experience where, you know, um, you're 
quite close to someone's face, you know, um, you're sitting there for a significant period of time. So I think that talk and touch nature, um, again, is that another opportunity where, as I said, people feeling like they are putting down their guards um, and um, almost inviting uh, a space of to have really uh, conversations about what's going on. And I think another key thing as well is, you know, some of uh, when we talk to people about how long they've been uh, connected in with a hairdresser, for example, it's sometimes longer than the relationships <laughs> that they've been in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and people, yeah, people move, um, you know, people move different suburbs but will still go back to the hairdresser that they, you know, have seen for 10 years or hairdressers um, almost grow up with families as well. They start cutting people's hair at a young age and then continue to cut their hair or style their hair at a person's wedding and then start to, um, you know, cut their children's hair. So, you know, we build a really strong connection and relationship um, with salon professionals as well. So that was again, another reason why we thought it was important to create a program like Mm -hmm. this. But I guess um, one of the key things is that we heard from selling professionals themselves that they were hearing disclosures of family violence and they did not know what to do about it. And they had shared with us responses that they had provided Mm -hmm. to clients and, you know, felt in their hearts that it probably wasn't the safest or smartest or concerning response that they could really provide salons. So it was a community need that came out of discussions that we were having um, with salon professionals themselves that thought, okay, let's pilot something with this group. And with that, we looked to see what else was out there um, at at an international level to see if there was anything like this available. Right. And so just off the back of that, not everyone will have had that, you know, uh, experience of a client disclosing that sort of information, um, you know, to them. So I guess what are some of the signs that you could typically be on the lookout for if you're a salon professional um, caring for your clients, you know, like. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a quite a variety of different signs and we do unpack this within our training. And we every time we go and do the training, we almost find out different and new um, uh, warning signs as well because of based on people's experiences. Right. Um, but what, what I guess some of the, the common ones that we see and uh, is really recognizing about, you know, yes, physical cuts or bruises, um, hair being torn or pulled out in particular spots. So there's some of those physical signs. But it's those other signs like um, people talking about that their partner is prone to anger or we've even heard ones that um, partners are making uh, appointments for them so they can't mm. make appointments for themselves um, or when you go to check out at the end to pay and say, hey, when do you want to do your next appointment? Oh, I'll have to check with my partner when I can come and do my next haircut. Um, also things around part payments. So recognizing about that fear of, oh, my partner's not going to be happy with how much I'm spending. So is it possible if I could pay part cash, part card um, or things like, 
you know, uh, I would really love to cut my hair short, but my partner says that I I would look, dis, you know, he would disown me if I cut my hair short, so I have to keep it long. So restricting about what they look like and um, yeah. how they are meant to feel um, address some of those, I guess, basic um, but really important signs to be aware of when, when thinking about family violence in a, in a salon setting. Yeah. I mean, every example that you mentioned screams the word control and not in a good way. Um, I, I was wondering if you'd feel comfortable just going off the back of that, you know, comfortable sharing a, a real life success story, um, that hair three ours has had in the past year or so just, you know, for salon professionals who mightn't have had anyone disclose that type of information to them before and, and not knowing the signs, right? Like to have something to relate to, to have something to be like, oh, you know what? Actually, this situation is very similar to something that happened in the salon to one of my clients or to a, a client of my colleague, you know, but obviously without sharing any personal identification information or anything like that. So do you have any success story from hair three hours as trainings that you would feel comfortable sharing on the podcast? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A story in particular comes to mind to me. Um, so we had a salon owner come and reach out to us around wanting us to come out to deliver the hair three hours training to their, to her, her and her staff. And we were ecstatic and went out there and, and delivered the training. And um, as we finished up, we asked the salon owner, you know, what motivated her to want to bring this training to her salon. And she'd mentioned that she was concerned about a few clients that she had been working with. And from participating into the training, she said, you know, next time they come into the salon, um, I, I feel like I'm going to be able to check in and see how things are going for them. And we thought, great, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And probably only a few weeks later, um, she had a client, she, we, when we go out, we, we give a whole lot of collateral. So we were talking about before Zoe around posters or having a list of all the different warning signs and the services that are available. Well, we have a whole lot of bunch of that stuff that we take out and, um, we talk about how it's important to create safe places and where we can actually put this type of information within the salon. And this salon owner had put a poster in the toilet, in the women's toilets. Mm-hmm. And the client came in, sat down, started doing the haircut, needed to go to the toilet, went to the toilet and came back. And in that moment of coming back, it was visible that they had been crying. And the salon owner said, hey, you know, what's what's wrong? Is everything okay? Like I can see that you're upset. Well, you know, what's what's happening for you? And the response was that poster in the toilet all of those things I am experiencing. And it was that moment of, wow, okay. And it's not often that we get experiences like that where people are just straight out, this is what I'm experiencing. Often it's Mm -hmm. what we call an indirect conversation where, you know, there might have been a bit of a flag of, um, oh, you know, things have just been so stressful at home. And someone asking, oh, well, you know, oh, why has it been so stressful? But this was a straight disclosure of what I, everything that's on that poster, which was, you know, like, do you feel afraid of your partner? Do you feel like you can't see your friends and family member? That person said that they were experiencing. So within that moment, that salon professional was able to 
provide a, a, an incredible response, which was around creating that listening environment, that validating environment, that environment where um, they were told that violence is not acceptable and uh, not okay, and how they had recently participated in some training and knew of the local service in the area that they could contact if they wanted to reach out to a service for support. And within that moment, the person didn't make contact with the service, which is fine because, again, with our training, ultimately at the end of the day, it is that the person makes contact with the service when it is right for them. Yeah. Um, so, but the next time they came into the salon, she said she was interested in connecting with the service. So the salon owner actually um, allowed the person to, or created space for the person to make that phone call in the salon, recognizing that that's a safe place away from the perpetrator to be able mm-hmm. to make contact with our organization free um, and to book in an initial appointment where we would then work with the, that person to go through what was really happening for them and creating a safety plan and, again, going into that discussion of what it is that they um, are experiencing is violence and um, what are the supports that are available to them. So, um, you know, in terms of what that support looks like, we don't know the in and out details of that, but we did hear about that story of when, you know, live in action, the, the hair three hours came to life and how it, how important it was because that salon owner felt confident to be able to respond to that woman who was obviously, you know, quite distressed at the time and knew where to refer them. Yeah. To me, that's a testament to the obviously wonderful work that you do um, because hadn't that salon owner had had your training, they probably wouldn't have felt as comfortable re- responding the way that they did. So, and, you know who knows what the the consequences of that would have been. Um, But I, it's, it's bringing another question to mind. And I guess what I'm wondering is what are some of the major barriers to people disclosing that you see usually? And also what are some of the major barriers for leaving a violent relationship? Yeah. So leaving a violent relationship is actually the most riskiest time, um, for a a woman or for a victim survivor. And the reason that being is because the person using violence or the perpetrator is losing that sense of control. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really important when people do decide that they're wanting to leave, that they um, are supported by either family or friends, but also uh, with agencies like ours that can actually really support people in leaving in a really safe and supportive way. Um, But there are so many barriers for disclosing experience of violence. And, you know, it can be shame. It can be um, wanting to stay for children, wanting to stay for pets and other animals, recognising that not all shelters um, allow for pets to be able to come along. And I don't know about you, but I have two puppy dogs in my household and they're like my everything. So the idea of not being able to take them anywhere that I um, needed to go um, is a significant barrier. Um, uh, Usually it's lack of resources. So whether it's financial resources, um, other things as like resources as simple as, you know, having access to particular paperwork that they're going to potentially be needing, like whether it's IDs or whether it's, you know, passports, et cetera, as well. Um, I mean, the list just goes on and on, but I think probably the two biggest things that we hear as barriers is one that 
the fear of not being believed Mm -hmm. and the hope for change because as we know with family violence, this is an abuse of power and control by someone that we know, someone that we've built a trusting relationship with. So to just leave that relationship is not simple. Um, we, When we talk to victim survivors, they talk about that hope for behaviour change. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, as we know, we can we don't have control over people's behaviors um so it's really about working with that person to ultimately at the end of the day decide if it is that they want to leave or if they are wanting to stay in the relationship how to do that in a in the safest way possible for them right and so is there anything that you typically say in your training to salon professionals who might be afraid to ask questions to their clients? You know, like I'm going to give you the example of um, recently at the Salon Owners Summit in January um, conference we we hold every year at Forest. Um, we had uh, Tom Chapman, who's the founder of uh, the Lions Barber Collective. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's it's all about like men's uh, mental health and suicide prevention. And what he was saying is like, don't be afraid to ask the question, you know, like you asking the question is not going to impact someone's behavior in a, in a bad way. Like people are going to be happy that you're, you're concerned about their well-being. So is there anything that you tend to say to, to encourage salon professionals to ask questions to their clients and make them feel confident about doing so? Yeah, absolutely. I think what you, you've said is, is spot on. And that's something that we definitely say within our training too, is that no one has been hurt from asking, physically hurt from asking the question, or are you experiencing family violence or is everything safe at home? Mm-hmm. But people have been hurt when we don't ask that question. So it's in our training, we talk about overcoming hesitation um, and we talk about the challenges and how difficult it is for us to be able to step into this space. Um, but we talk about how we overcome that. So when we hear things like, well, it's none of my business, our response is, no, family violence is everyone's business. We all have a role to play to prevent and to respond to family violence. When we hear things like, I don't know what to say, or I'm scared that I'm going to make them angry, I'm scared that I'm going to lose that client's business, it's actually about saying to them, hey, you're letting the client know that you care, that their well-being is important, and mm-hmm. ultimately that okay, they might leave feeling angry or frustrated, but they then know that at any other time, if they're needing to come and access or find support, that they know that they can come back to you for that. So yeah. it's really about you know getting people to understand that there is a role that we can play. Um, and we might not always get it right, but starting off with that simple question of, hey, I'm concerned about you, hey, is everything okay at home, um, is so important, similar to the work of suicide as well, right? You know, it's about opening those uh, conversations and simply saying, I care, and I might not have all of the answers, but I know that there are services out there that can help you, and hey, here's a number of one if you're interested. Right. And so when when people come um, through the salon and say, you know, like that person who is like, I, you know, all, these are all the things that I'm experiencing. Um, obviously, that might, you know, every experience is going to be different. But 
is there like a general, I guess, a theme in terms of like what people are looking for in the moment of disclosing information like that, you know, like, are they looking for validation of their experience or like to be heard reassurance? Like, is there something specific, um, you know, that, that, yeah, that they're looking for in, in, the, in a response from like a, a salon professional, for instance? Yeah, absolutely. I think really that key thing that we hear from victim survivors is really about being believed, mm. being heard, being believed and being reassured that what they're, fe- hear, uh, what they're experiencing is not acceptable. Right. Um, and I think recognising, as we said before, that you know, they're more likely to talk to someone that they trust, that they have that strong connection and relationship with and recognising that we often tell selling professionals more about our lives than we do anyone else, even our friends and family. And selling professionals tell us that day in and day out. I have heard things mm-hmm. that pe- people share things that, that haven't um, – that they haven't shared with family members, whether it's been around experience of violence or cancer um, diagnosis, Every, you know, it's it's the spectrum and, and the conversations are so broad. So that really feeling of being heard, being believed, being um, validating their experience to disclose as well is definitely um, a helpful thing too because we do know that sometimes people, after they disclose, you know, go away feeling a bit, oh, should have I done that? So being like, you know, I really appreciate that you've taken the time to share this information with me and, I, I'm, you know, this must have been really tough and I, I feel, um, you know, grateful that you've told me this um, are really powerful words to a victim survivor. Um, and then ultimately that role of that selling professional is around that warm referral because I think, um, you know, well, we know victim survivors are more likely going to access a service if they've heard good things about the service, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the tri- Not the necessarily the try before you buy sort of thing, but, you know, if a, if a selling professional can comf- comfortably and confidently say, hey, you know, have you heard about this organisation? It's, it's actually just down the road. Um, they're really great. I had a phone call with them only two weeks ago just to find out about the services that they're offering, um, you know, people are going to more comfortably feel like that it's appropriate um, service for them. And it reduces that stigma as well. Yeah. There's so much stigma around accessing services. Um, so going back with that message that there's, there's specialists out there that can provide help and support is is key too. I mean, this all makes so much sense to me. You know, like if it's a risky thing to even try to find a way to get the support from an organization, you'd want to make sure that you're getting that help from the get-go, you know, like first time, because you don't know if there's going to be a second opportunity for that. And so, yeah, it, this this all makes so much sense. So I guess to recap everything we've been talking about today, would you be able to list out like bullet point style, the format of Hair3Rs' program, how long does it take, who it's open to, what topics you cover, and what's included? Absolutely. So hair three hours, it's a three hour training. We have done it in shorter term a time frame as well, but it's a three hour training. And within that three hours, it can either be delivered online or it can be delivered face to face. And since 
going online, obviously we have that ability to reach a much greater audience, um, which we're thrilled and excited about. However, we still go into salons to this day Mm -hmm. and have done that not only in um, Victoria, but have gone in other parts of Australia to deliver that too, which is great. So the way in which it's set up is that there's usually a, a maximum of 25 salon professionals in a space. And when we're talking about who the target audience is, it's people in the hair and beauty industry. So it could be um, hairdressers, it could be masseuse, it could be beauticians, it could be tattoo artists, it could be um, basically anyone who identifies themselves being in the hair and beauty and and personal care industry. And um, the session is interactive, it's engaging, and um, we have a a bunch of skilled trainers who do this day in and day out, um, who every time they deliver a session, um, you know, make sure that they're utilizing relevant up-to-date data and also, um, you know, experiences and conversations of what we've heard from other salon professionals. Um, so the the way that the training is run, it, it goes through those three R's. So the first R being that recognizing what is family violence? What does it look like in a salon? What are those barriers? Um, moving to respond, okay, how do we respond? What does that look like? We talk about responding in a direct, we talk about responding in an indirect way, and we have a bit of a go on what we might do if a scenario like this took place within a salon and we get salon professionals to think about how they would respond to that. And then we move into the refer, that referral pathways of who are the services that, that are available to them um, to be able to support victim survivors of violence. But also what we haven't talked about is self-care because Mm. that's a really key and important part of this work because often when we go out to deliver this training, we get disclosures of family violence from the people participating in the training. So I would say almost one in every three training, we would get a disclosure and, you know, that makes sense, right? Because we know one in four women um, experience you know, uh, intimate partner violence since the age of 15 and recognising that majority of the, um, well, that women make a, a big um, part of the hair and beauty industry. So we talk about self-care and we talk about um, how salon professionals can access this service, not only for experience of violence, but also to debrief after um, an incident has occurred. So um, there's some really great services that are able uh, that are out there that are doing that type of support which which you know we're we're grateful for too so I guess that's a bit of the a snapshot of what it is and um you know we do FIFA service type training but you know we also look at how we can work with um you know philanthropic organizations or um applying for grants so that we can run sessions for free right. um for salon professionals as well um but we are just you know really keen to get this out there to anyone and everyone who is interested in it um because we just see it's such an important role uh and you know, we know the difference, as we've shared today, that the difference that this training can make. Um, and, you know, we're excited to take this, you know, across Australia and who knows, maybe the world. Yeah, maybe the world, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. 
<laughs> no, it's 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 amazing, and and I really, you know, from from the bottom of my heart, but I I'm, I'm sure everyone at Forest as well. Like, thank you so much for everything that you do. It's it's such an important work as well, you know. Like, and yeah, like the salon industry is is pr- probably one of the best position industries to to provide that initial response, like you said, for all the reasons that you've said as well. So I really appreciate you spending the time on the show with me today, um, exploring this, um, sharing your knowledge, sharing, you know, all of this information with, with everyone. And, and hopefully, you know, people who, who are listening will, will reach out for, for training. That, that would be the ideal scenario. But also, you know, we utilize social media and with that we put on um, tips and strategies to be able to to be able to support selling professionals to be, um, you know, doing this work as well. So, you know, I encourage people to check that out um, because, you know, it, it, it gets you already starting to think about what this could potentially be looking like in, in your workplace. Absolutely. And I'll make sure to, there's, you know, you've shared with me so many links and resources. I'll make sure to have all of those added into the show notes. So anyone listening, you can refer back to those as well. Um, Brianna, thank you so much once again for your time on Forest FM. I really, really appreciate this conversation. Uh, like I said to you, you know, many times it, it has been a conversation that I've been wanting to have on Forest FM for years now. So I feel very grateful um, to have had the, the privilege to, to discuss this with you. Beautiful. Thanks for your time. Before we conclude today's episode, please know that there are many types of family violence and often more than one will be present in a violent relationship. This can take the shape of intimidation, stalking, controlling behaviors, and various types of abuse, such as verbal, physical, emotional, social, financial, sexual, reproductive, and spiritual abuse. If someone you know is experiencing violence or abuse, it's important that you listen to this person, believe them, and take the abuse seriously. Reach out to local support services or crisis helplines. Hair3Rs is an interactive workshop designed to teach salon professionals to spot possible signs of family violence and know what to say and do if a client or colleague shares their experience of family violence. For more information on trainings, donations, or anything at all relating to the important work Free and Hair3Rs do, contact training at free.org.au or call 03-9259-4200. While Free is a non-for-profit organization and receives some government funding, it covers the direct services and not their educational programs. Since the pilot program ended in June 2018, Hair3Rs has received no ongoing or government funding. However, they've been able to continue provide training through grant applications, donations, and fee-for-service sessions. Hair3Rs accepts public donations via GiveNow and is seeking sponsorship to achieve their goal of training all salon professionals in Australia. Thanks for listening to Forest FM. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. As always, you can head over to forest.com forward slash FM to catch all the latest from the show and check out the links and resources mentioned throughout the episode. And if you've got any feedback, be sure to let us know. You can send us an email at forestfm at forest.com. Brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Forest FM episodes air weekly sharing inspiring stories from the salon floor and amplifying community voices all over the globe. In your salon, we're at the heart of it. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. 
Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments.